Good morning, church. It's so good to have you back with us this morning. We're still doing church online for a couple more weeks. You know, uh, like we mentioned, you guys would have received a text about the plan to come back into the building. But, you know, everything we're deciding as a church, as a movement, we're just deciding that as knowing what God wants us to do. I mean, the, the Premier is doing the best they can, the government's doing the best they can, but we're, we're accountable to God for his timing and for his. So that's why we're just holding it a little bit about what we're just waiting to see what God says. Because see, this is where my, my, my sermon this morning is coming to you from. You know, we can get told one thing, but you know, often in times in this church, we teach Have you checked with God about that? Have you gone to him to find out? So that's what I want to speak about this morning. I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about what God's really put upon my heart. But let's just bow our head right now and let's just pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, Lord God, we are able to pause and be in your presence. And I invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill our homes, fill our houses, fill our office, but wherever we are, God, we ask for your presence to be here as we go in now, Lord God, and we hear your word. Father, I ask you right now to you to take any parts of the words that you've given me, Lord God, and just echo it through your children's spirit, Lord God, that they would hear exactly what they need to hear, Lord God. Just emphasize, highlight, download right now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone shout. Amen. Come on, I've got two or three in the building. I need the encouragement it's going through. I'm trying to get myself ready for when everybody's here. Now I'm getting used to it. So a couple of weeks ago, we did, uh, like everything else has been in 2020, is trying to keep the same kind of things, but doing it in different styles. So we had our pastor's conference that we would naturally go and spend a week in a retreat in Port Macquarie, uh, just having speakers come and download on the pastors of our region. This year, we had to do it via Zoom. And I know that most of you that have been able to connect with me through this time, I'm hating Zoom. I hate it as I'm finding it really struggling. And I don't use that word lightly, but it is. I'm challenged with that whole just looking at a screen and and so it's just been really hard but we did our pastors conference as a one day session over over online and one of the pastors that was in there coming from was from the state and from overseas he questioned us with this he said what will the church of 2070 say about the church of 2020 and he stayed on that and he continued to preach but it hit me it hit me so heavy What will the church of 2070 say about us? They will discuss about every church in the world in 2020 had to shut down, that there was not a church that was remained open. The whole world had to shut its churches. They will talk about what we did and what they heard about. They will ask questions like, what did they do? How did they do it? What were they thinking about? How did they resolve it? You know, often a lot of it that are old enough to understand. How many times do we go through the airports? We haven't done that for a long time. But we go, and we know the changes that happened because 9-11. You know, sometimes we go through and then and we, go, we understand that's a 9-11 change. That was a 9-11 change. When we live through that tremendous moment that changed our history, we refer it to the 9-11. That is now in place because of what we went through. So the church that will be in 2070 has a lot to do with what we are doing right now in 2020. Most of the pastors laughed it off and said, oh, well, I won't be here for the 2070, so I don't really, really, really care. But when you're a generational church and you're a church that knows that your children are going, our children will be a part of the 2070 church. Our neighbours will have it. So what are we that now are leaders of 2020 leaving in place? I want them to say that the church of 2020 
is a church that shifted. We are who we are in 2070 because of what the church of 2020 did. I want the church of 2020 to be remembered that that is when the shift took place. As, we were, as I was praying about coming out of this season, as we're laying before God, God spoke very clearly to me that he called us, ICC, to be part of this moment of 2020, but that we were not going to just suffer and die or, or, or struggle through it, but that we were to be a church that was alive and thriving. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart as one of the leaders of this house that you have stayed connected to the greatest ability that you've had to come in and do it. You know, some people have asked, well, why aren't the church services still on? Because we wanted our church would be open at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And that's why we kept it at 10 a.m. on live because we wanted to teach our generations of people. We are still at church, even though we're not getting in a car and possibly going to a building, we are still doing church. Now, obviously, seven months into that, We've had to look at different ways of doing it. But God spoke to me very clearly. ICC will be a church that is alive and thriving. And that's when he showed me memories of what we actually did in January of our fasting, where we started to take communion by ourselves in our homes at different times. He started to prepare us for the church that was thriving in 2020. For such a time as this were the words he spoke to my spirit, that we were alive and well such a time as this. ICC has even a greater purpose because such a time as this, we were part of it. I was, you know, encouraging other pastors. We were called to be pastors in this season of 2020, in this COVID, things that we'd never, ever heard of, things that we read in history books. We were supposed to be worship leaders. We're supposed to be teachers. We're supposed to be teaching our children. We've been called to be part of this moment. And today, if you will give me the permission, I will use the same reference that was spoken over Esther, as I believe that we were in a similar transition period that she had to face. In March of 2020, we became the church of such a time as this. And you know what? For the first time, I think in many, many years, I actually got a title for my servant. Maybe that's what COVID has taught me. I felt God call and he actually gave me this, the title before he actually started to piece together the sermon. The power of a the pause of 2020, the power of the pause of 2020. There are so many moments in the word of God that God actually caused a pause over his people. There's such a power and authority that happens if we actually understand. Now, I'd love to start to admit to you that the first couple of months of COVID, when we were shut down, I struggled. I struggled to understand why. I struggled to understand how. I struggled to understand what on earth was going on? Was this the enemy? Was this all of his doing? I did. I struggled. But then as I began to lay it before God and I continued to just seek him and through prayer meeting, we continued to give it always to God. And we checked in with God. I felt that God was saying there is power and authority when God ordains a pause over the church. See, whatever happened in outside of it, that was up to the world. But what happens with the church? That's with God's permission. So I believe that God had called the church in to a place of pause, the power of a pause in 2020, the power of the pause of 2020. The word pause means to bring an action to stop that will either cause an interruption or a disruption. So let me say that again. The word pause is to bring an action, something that is in movement, to stop that will cause an interruption or a disruption. 
You know, when you press pause on your TV sets and a lot of us have had to engage, I've probably never been so unengaged with the TV because I could not handle what was coming through the TV. But when you're watching TV and you're watching movies and all of those things that we've been able to possibly have more time to do, what happens is when you press the pause button, you're saying to the TV, I'm not stopping you, I want to come back. But what happens is when you press that pause button, the frame of the TV freezes. It freezes. It just stops exactly where you stopped off. Now, you know that if you go back and you get distracted and you don't come back to that screen, it actually switches off automatically and it doesn't come back. The freeze that you paused it in, it unpauses itself and itself switches itself off. And I was thinking about this as a moment. I was asking God, the first three months, I thought we were on a pause. I really do. But when we're six and seven months into it, who can say amen to I think our freeze has stopped and now we've switched off? But I believe that God never intended it to be just a freeze of 2020. I think it was supposed to be a stop. This was always meant to be a switch off and reset moment for the church. I'm not only speaking for, for the church. I totally believe that God was intending this to always be a switch off and reset moment. See, the word stop actually means to come to an end and cease it from continuing. Wow. The word stop means to come to an end and cease it from continuing. So there's a difference between putting a freeze, a pause on it, and then actually saying, I want it to stop. I want it to cease. It's not continuing on. So when I speak to you this morning from the power of a pause, I believe that we have moved into a season that is shifted or ceased from where we were when we left in March 2020. I don't believe God wants us to come back to just go back to doing church. There's parts of the church building that will change when you do come back into the building. There'll be things that will look different, feel different. There's things that we're going to have to change the way we do parts of our service. But if that was the only thing, then that's a pause. But I feel God saying, no, I think he took longer because we just didn't get a hold of it. We were trying to get back to just be together and do it. But you know what I realized? We were together. It was on a different platform. But God's saying, I want to cease where you were and bring in a shift. See, Esther was called, and the Bible says, at a time that there was an authority being shifted. See, Queen Vashni had ceased being an authority and now Esther was being called up to the position. Now, the story is amazing and if you get to go through it, I encourage you to read it. It's in Esther. starts about chapter 3. Really, when the transition starts, when Vas Queen Vashni is about to lose her position in that, she was ordained, and the Bible says, for such a time as this. And we talk about but there was a transfer happening from the queen that was in power to what God was about to position. There's a part of her story that I just really want to highlight before I even continue this morning's service. That's in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. I truly believe that it's one of the most powerful things I've had to learn through this such a time as this church. Esther 4, 14 says, she was being prepared for the position and her uncle said to her, if you remain silent, Esther, at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will come from another place. They will come, but it's going to be from another place. And he said, but who knows that you have come into this royal position for such a time as this. So Esther's being told 
God wants to position you. I think God is putting you into this place. But you can choose to remain silent, Esther. But let me tell you that relief and deliverance will come to the people of God, but it's going to come from another place. See, that's what happened. We were getting information and it was coming in from all other places. But God was saying you are going to have options to hear different things. But is it possible that I am using this moment, this pause of 2020 to cause a shift of authority to come upon the house of God of 2020? There was a shift and a handover of authority from Vasni to Esther. This stop and this pause that we experience is to define the church. The church of 2070, I want them to rejoice of what we endured, of what we had to go through, the new things that we brought into place, the knowing how to wait on God for what God is about to do. That we're talking about the radical stuff we had to do. And that's where I hope that one day they'll say, that's when the handover of authority happened from the old church to the new level church that came in. And this is not for all, this is for the house that we are part of. When Esther understood that God had called her to this position for such a time as this, there was a new crown that was given to her. She was bestowed with a new crown and a new mantle came upon her shoulders. And from that day, she walked in a new possession and a new level of authority. A new mantle church means dethroning and decrowning of other authorities, dethroning and decrowning of other authorities. And that's what this pause of 2020 did for the church. In 2020, our new mantle under ICC is being released into the atmosphere where we decrown and we dethrone the dynamic, the dynamic, uh, the dynamic uh, uh, narratives that are filling our airways. We begin to speak of what we see God is unleashing to us. I just see things that are shifting in our church that are so exciting. I've got such a joy, not about only seeing everybody collectively in the house of God, but I can just imagine the downpour of the Holy Spirit that will happen as we begin to bring out a great mighty praise. I just know that this pause has caused us to go, actually, we're not on freeze mode. We're having a shift of authority. And through these last seven months, God has been allowing us to dismantle, dethrone and decrown all these authorities that were speaking out. Because when we come out of this church, we will be known as the church that took on the new shift of authority. Can someone shout amen through those airwaves this morning? Amen. Amen. I want to just give you two morning, two things this morning. There were intentional pauses that Jesus was part of. He was part of these two pauses. In John chapter 11 is one of the pauses that I was really just blown away just by memory. God had brought it back into me. John chapter 11. And many of us know the story, but if you, if you have a Bible with you, open it up to John chapter 11. It's about Jesus' friend Lazarus and about Mary and Martha. And there's so much about this scripture. But I just want to pause. I just want to actually highlight one of the parts. A man, a man named by Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is Mary, the one who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, listen to this. Lord, your friend is very sick. In verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said this, Lazarus sick will not end in death. No, it's happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive the glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, 
He stayed where he was for two more days. Now, I don't know, but Jesus is compassionate. He cried. He had emotions. And Lazarus was a good friend. And he really, really was good friends with the whole family, with the sisters. But he was very clear that he wasn't going to go. He caused a pause. The Bible says just further down that he stayed two more days in Jerusalem, that he went through. He stayed two more days. Do you know what? When I was researching that, when Jesus gets the news of his, one of his good friends dying, not just sick, he hasn't got like a little, he's dying. Jesus says nothing. He said, I will go, but not now. Do you know that it, Jesus was actually only 30 minutes away by foot? Jesus was 30 minutes away by foot to go see his friend Lazarus. Well, I really pondered on that and I thought, you know, when I've realized it, I was like, maybe he was far away. Maybe it was just, he was like not rushed. Maybe it was in the middle of something. He was only 30 minutes. He would have been there to see him, to say goodbye. But he didn't. He was very clear that he wasn't going to go. He actually went in a different direction. I really pondered that. When Jesus could have moved, he didn't. When he could have gone to pray or speak over Lazarus' sick body, to be influential to his sisters and tell him he didn't go. And I began to ponder that for so many days. I was like, God, that's exactly what I was like. Why? Why is this not changing? Why is this virus getting worse? Why are things not moving, God? Where are you? I know that most of us were. Where were you? Where are you? But Jesus was specific in causing a pause to happen. He was intentional not to go. But the Bible does say that Jesus said Lazarus was not dead. But in the delay, well, this is a powerful church. In the delay, he did die. In the delay of going, what we experience as a delay, Lazarus did die. And I wish I could be in the building so I could unpack, unpack this really well, but because of the time frame that we've been given, I can't. But I'm just going to take it back to the fact of every pause that Jesus allows is for a purpose in its time. For every pause that Jesus allows for you and me, for the church of 2020, for that season, there is a purpose, a greater purpose in God. It's in the waiting of the Lord that your strength is renewed. It's not on the battlefield or the doing this and the doing that and the running from service to first service, it's waiting on the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah, that is where your strength will be renewed. When you're waiting, what are you doing? You're sitting. When you're waiting for a to see a doctor, you're sitting in a waiting room. When you're waiting for a bus to come by, you're sitting, waiting for something to come. It's not about keeping myself occupied until that happens. It's about actually going, there's nothing God wants me to do except to wait on him. You're stopped. But even in that stop, in that pause, God says, I'm going to cause a renewal to come. See, what happened in that moment for Lazarus was a great sadness because then the Bible tells us about the story of the sisters where people went to comfort the sisters. And I don't know, you and I are human. We know what that feels like. I think I would have been so distraught. I would have been exactly like the sisters going, fine. I've now got to go sort this out with my friends who are coming to actually come and comfort me. So when Jesus comes, one was busy trying to get stuff done, 
trying to accommodate all the people that came to mourn with them. But Jesus comes, and I know that one of the sisters was like, eh, eh, you're way too late. It's done. He's in the tomb now. And one of them just says, and they have a conversation with Jesus. And he says, and they have, and Jesus said, he's not. He will rise. And they're like, yeah, we know. He's going to rise. He's going to rise with the rest of us in Christ. Like, you know, we, they, they were like, yeah, we get that. You know how many times I've, I felt like I said, yeah, I know. I'm going to get victory, but I don't know when. Yeah, I, I believe you, but I'm really not sure when. I don't know. And I feel God say, keep reading, keep reading. So when Jesus said, take me to the tomb, he said to the sisters, take me to the tomb. I don't know if they would say, why, 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 why? It's done now. It's done. It's done. It's what, what do we need to go to the tomb for? But Jesus said, no, we've got, because every pause that Jesus allows is for a reason, church. Someone say amen, come into agreement that every pause that we have had to experience has cut its greater purpose. God has a reason. He does not just allow this to happen for no reason. So they take him to the, to the tomb. And in John chapter 11, it says, as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone away, Jesus said to them. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said to them. But Martha comes in and stops and says, Lord, it's been four days. The smell will be terrible. Like I'm wondering when she began to make reference to the smell that's going to happen as soon as we unlock that. Not to mention that it's actually not, not possible for them. It's not legally right for us to unlock a tomb. So he was, she was trying to possibly downwater it and go, the very least, this thing's going to smell. It's now done its time. But listen, Jesus responded and said, did I not tell you that you will see the glory of God? Did God not tell you, even as you sat in a doctor's surgery, God said, I will give you the desires of your heart. Did God not tell you that you will have a breakthrough, even though you're not seeing it today? Jesus said to them, did I not tell you, you will see the glory of God? It's dead. No, I said that you will see God's glory. So choose today, ICC. What do you want to see? I'm living out. I've seen it. I've had doctor's reports that have said one thing and then I've gone before God and I get a complete different message. I have to choose what I'm going to listen into because there's a time that this corona said to me, you can dethrone and you can decrown what now is an authority and choose to listen to what God has always spoken. Did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? Verse 31, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to the heaven and he said, listen, he stops. I'm trying to put myself in this picture. The stone is rolled away. And Jesus, before he does it, he looks to the heaven and he says, Father, thank you for hearing me. There's nothing happening. I'm thinking they're all going, I can smell that. Can't you smell that? Now we can smell the stench of a body. But Jesus knew what his father had said. And he said, roll it away. And he said, and he thanked God. And he said, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for hearing me. Listen to what he said. He said this, you always hear me. But listen what he said. I love it. Jesus was just awesome. I, I can't wait to meet him. He, he says, you always hear me, but I said this out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they would believe. He said, I'm not saying this for me because I believe. I know you. 
He knows his father. There was no question about God was going to do. He knew that he knew what God had said to him. He said, but I'm saying this for the people that are standing here so that they believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. He gave thanks and then he said, come out. What you need to understand, church, is this, is that Jesus' crucifixion was not far off themselves. Jesus' crucifixion was about to be outplayed very soon after this storyline. And it was just around the corner. So if the first resurrection they would see was from Jesus, everyone would have been able to say, well, he was Jesus. He was the son of God. So of course he's going to rise. You know, that's what he said he's going to do. But everybody that stood there had eyewitnessed that Jesus stood before a tomb and called out a man who was there. Not Jesus, who was the son of man, a normal man is the capability of knowing that anybody has seen and witnessed what God has done with their own eyes. You know what Jesus was saying? God, I want these people to have their own testimony. I want them to stay. When they go out of here, they're going to say to people around them, I saw the glory of God in action. I didn't hear about it. I wasn't something that they preached to church. I saw the glory of God. I saw the man dead. I saw the stone be in front of the tomb. And I I saw the man came out when Jesus called out his voice. Church, this pause is to get us to believe that the power of God that is about to be released is that you and I will go into a new level, into a new statement. They had eyewitness of something that was part of their testimony. They could not deny what they saw. It's not seeing it's not something that they heard about. It's what they saw with their own eyes. ICC, can I speak right now? You better get ready to see the tumors fall off. You better get ready to see eyes and ears open. You better get ready to see crippled people start to walk. We are going to see it with our own eyes. When the doctor said no, God says yes. When the teacher said it never happens, God's going to say yes. When the doctors and lawyers and bank managers say it's impossible and God says yes, it's for your testimony. It's for you to say, oh, all the glory goes to him. Before I see it manifested, I know who my God is. The pause has caused a great power, a dethroning of the enemy and saying, you don't control what happens inside the church because we're not mentioned. We're not locked in by a building. We are the people of God. We know his word. He will come and he will say what he says. And it is a yes and amen. ICC, shout out your promises. That is the God that you serve. We are going to see God in the physical. Our buildings are going to be filled because people are going to want to see it for themselves. They're going to want to see the things shifted for themselves. It is starting to happen in Jesus' name. Someone give me a mighty amen. Amen, amen, amen. The last pause I want to bring into you that I really want to just move into this is the upper room pause that Jesus led. And because of time, I'm running out. So this is, I know I'm getting excited. I need church to come back just so I can, can preach more freely. But the biggest pause, I really want to, I can't move on from this, is before, just as you took communion Sunday together, I don't know, maybe you've been, I've been taking communion every day this week because I just know that I'm sealing some things in the spirit. And I don't have to be with family and friends to do that. I get communion and I seal it in my home. But you know, when the story happens, where Jesus comes in and prepares and he says to the disciples, go prepare an upper room for you. He says, I'm going to be crucified. And when this happens, so Jesus has been crucified. And just before 
He comes down and he comes back in his resurrection. Because of time, I can't read it all to you, but I need you to go go to Acts chapter 1 and read the whole story. Find out for yourself. See, you can hear great preaching. And I know through this coronavirus, everyone's been having five, ten sermons a day or week because we're tuning in from all different preachings and stuff. But I want you to make sure you've got a word for God for your season. In Acts chapter 1, it says, During the 40 days after he suffered, so Jesus died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And one when they were eating there in verse 4, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And he gave him descriptions of where he went. He said to them, I want you to go take yourself into a lockdown. I want you to go and close yourselves up into a room. And he said, I'll tell you, he told them where to go. And he said, but wait for the promise of the father, which he promised, as I told you before. John the Baptist will baptize you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What is a witness, church? Someone who's actually seen it for themselves. I can't witness something unless I was present. No judge is going to listen to me from what I heard. I'm only called to be a witness because what I actually saw with my own eyes and Jesus said and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere throughout the throughout all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth we're about to be witnesses of the glory of God in this next season this is not about something we know this is about what we saw and what we're seeing I want you to stop and wait Jesus said I want you to stop he's saying I want you to have a pause I don't want you to go in to the next season the way you are. See, the people of God, they had no idea. The 120 that went in, we don't even know if there was only 120 in total all the time. There was possibly more than that. Maybe some people waited maybe a week. Maybe they waited a couple of days like, hey, listen, I've got to go back to my family. I've got to go back and do my stuff. I, I can't sit here and just wait. Remember the frustration we had? I just can't sit here and wait. What are we doing? My biggest thing was like, I just need to know when this is all going to be over. That was my biggest thing at the beginning of all this. But Jesus just said, wait. Didn't tell them how long it was going to take. Didn't tell them how long it was going to be. They just had to trust God and they waited. So I believe people would have come and gone. They would just said, hey, I'm really sorry, but I can't wait. I can't just keep sitting here on what maybe Jesus is saying is coming true. But for those who did understand... They stayed and they waited. I'm sure that being human, they would have got impatient what's going on, but they stayed. They were diligent, just like we've been. They understood that something was about to happen. They understood that something was about to happen. They knew the Holy Spirit. They hadn't heard about it. They didn't know much about it, but they realized there was a transfer of spirit that was about to take place. God was about to renew the church. That's what he was doing. God was renewing the church. A new mantle was being released in that upper room. A new church was coming down when they left that upper room. A new people of God were coming out when that upper room was being opened up. See, people knew them because they saw them go in. But when they came out, it was very, very evident that something had happened. I want Newcastle to turn around and say, something's changed about that church down the road. I want people to know something happened. But didn't they just close their doors? What, what's going on? 
God's going to restore the last eight, nine months that we've lost with our doors being closed so quickly. We've got to be ready for it. What is about to happen in the church of 2020, no other rival, revival has seen. No other generation has spoken about. COVID 2020 just became our upper room where we've been waiting on God, pushing into God, waiting to hear from him. ICC, can you imagine what is going to happen when we are released and walk out of our upper room moment? We're not going to be the same church. We're not going to be under the same level of anointing we were. I'm excited. You know, the first Sunday that we were on church online, the first song we sang was a song that Victoria and I, we led, and it was, It's a New Level. I didn't realize then how prophetic we were being on the very first Sunday. As a worship team, we sang a song that we'd only sang once before in our church building physically. And we sang it from this pool with nobody, when the church was physically empty. And it was just the worship. We sang, It's a New Level. And wow. And I, I, remember, I remember when God showed me that I fell to my knees. I realized, yeah, we were being prophetic all those months ago as we led that song, It's a New Level. Because ICC, we're going to take it to a new level. It's a new level. Narelle's going to come on just shortly after my preaching right now. And she's going to just bring you into a place where just lay it down and just worship him. You know that you know that the hand of God has been upon us. You know, the Bible then goes into saying in Acts chapter 22, before they left the upper room, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring mighty windstorm and it filled the house that they were sitting in, the house that they were sitting in. It doesn't have to happen in a church building. And when they looked like flames of tongues, a fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I've run out completely out of time to be able to go to tell you what actually happened when they went down those stairs. People started questioning, like, what is wrong with these people? And you know what? Straight away we saw Peter take his new mantle of authority and he said, no, these people are not what you think they are. They're about to show you that the prophetic is coming. If you keep reading, there's a prophetic word that Joel gave that came into activation right there, right then. He said, oh, can I just go there? In the last days, at that, Peter said, you don't get it. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and the old men will see dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And even your servants and your women and your men alike, they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to come in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Peter was saying, you can say what you want, but we are not who we used to be. We went into that room and we paused ourselves and we waited on God and we've taken these steps down and you think it sounds crazy, but let me tell you, the prophetic has just been activated. You are about to see a new church, a new level come out. So ICC, I want you to realize that this has not been a pause where we're just freezing. We have been bestowed a new mantle to walk in. When we come back, when we come back. I want you to come back with a joy and excitement. We are coming back a new, fresh mantle. It's a new level under ICC. But right now, for every Sunday that we have left from today to when we physically get back in the building, I want you to have your upper room experiences. Because when we walk out of our upper room experiences, we are going to walk in the days of Joel where he spoke about it and he says, in those days, I will pour out my spirit and I'm going to be a witness to see the great miracles. What you hear 
hearing these testimonies, but every single person of ICC, wherever you are in this world, wherever you're connected with it, we are believing. I'm believing across the airways. You will see your miracle. You will see your testimony. I don't know if you're in this country or not. Wherever you are serving God, you have been called to witness and testify of your own miracle. So when Narelle takes you into worship right now, would you just go before the Lord and just do what he did at this tomb of Lazarus and lifted up his hand and he says, thank you for I knew and I believed that you would do what you said and just take it to his throne room. But get excited. What does your testimony look like, ICC? Our church, we've gone to a whole new level. But I know that what we're about to see and do is greater than what we could ever experience, but all for his glory. Let's bow our head. Father, I come to you right now. As we stand before your presence, Holy Spirit, and we ask for your anointing to pour, God, I pray right now that wherever your people are, your children of God are right now, that you would start giving them pictures in the name of Jesus. I pray you would start giving them pictures to see the things that you want them to start believing for. Lord, see their bodies healed. See their children come to life. See their children worshiping God. See their bank accounts filled. See what the things that God has promised. See the visas coming out, Lord God. Let them see chains are being broken, Lord God. Let them see dethroning of, of, of negative words coming to pass. Let's see marriages, Father, come to pass. Father, in the name of you, give them a clear, precise, clear vision of the prophecies and the things that they've heard now be activated in the name of Jesus. This is our season, ICC. We are ICC because the core of us never changes. We are God-centered people, but we are the people that will testify of God's goodness and God's word. But by the glory of God, we will witness the mighty hand of God. God bless you.